on your body every day, pushing it to the limits, to the limits. and have all the willpower in the world, but you just can't get to the next level. Well, that changes today. This is the Power Building Podcast. This is the Power Building Podcast. If it's physique competitions, powerlifting, sports psychology, or sports nutrition, Chris Marzarella is the quintessential go-to unless you want someone to blow smoke. Because trust me, that ain't going to happen. Keeping it real. You're listening to the Power Building Podcast. And this is your host, Chris, Chris Marzarella. Marzarella. Hey, folks, this is Chris Marzarella. Welcome to the Power Building Podcast. Uh, long time no see. And just wanted to give you an update. I had my uh, classic physique bodybuilding show this weekend in Northeast USA, uh, courtesy of. Bev Francis Productions, and it was a phenomenal show. Um, I came in first in the 50s Masters and fourth in Novice, because this was my first foray into that division, Classic Physique. I was a bodybuilder, and then they created this, uh, this category for... Um, more of a superhero type of obtainable um, aesthetic look for an answer to bodybuilding where the bodybuilders these days are more bottle-shaped and just freakishly large. And to some, that's just not really obtainable. Um, I am apologizing to you guys for not being on air or in the uh, podcast line that you guys listen to. Um, I just had a lot of things going on, you know, just, and also because I'm still trying to find my voice in podcasting and I have a message to give you guys. It's just, I want to make sure that it's done correctly. So with that, I am going to shoot for one episode per week filled with information that you guys can use immediately and give you some take-home strategies uh, for your training, nutrition, sports psychology, anything that that might drum up interest with you. And if you want, you can DM me on social media. Um, you can do it on Facebook at Marzarella Fitness. Uh, same thing, Marzarella Fitness on Instagram and Marzarella Fitness on TikTok. I'm still learning TikTok, so if my videos look goofy, it's because I'm goofy. Anywho, today we're going to do some random questions and answers. Um Real quick, I'm going to go over my three favorite favorite training techniques. Um, how many days a week should you train? How much cardio should you do? And should I take vitamins? And what else? I have the what's the most important food group to get bigger, as well as what's the most important food group to lose fat. We're going to end off with a commentary about what is a diet break because that's some interesting stuff I'm going to go over with you guys. So a lot of people ask me what my free, my three favorite, favorite training techniques are. And the first one is a 350 set. Now the goal in a 350 set is to do the prescribed reps in the first set. In this case, 50. You get three shots. Now if you can't go to 50 on that first set, 
within technical failure, which means you you stop the, the set before your forearm starts to break because then other muscles will get involved and possible injuries. Um, if you can't go to the technical failure for the first set, then accumulate uh, the total to 50 reps within the least amount of sets. Like I said, you have three sets. That's why they call it the 350 set. Now, if you can progress within the first set of 50 reps, move the weight up the next time you work out. So, or you can do 75 reps, which sometimes I'll do just for shits and giggles, and it, it, it's a serious burn. The next one, the next training technique I like is a mile rep, which includes one activation set of maybe 12 to 30 reps after your warm-ups, of course, uh, followed by a series of lower back offsets with the same weight. Now, your goal can be anywhere from going from 12 to 30 reps, as long as the weight is pretty substantial and moderate intensity. Uh, these are done using 20 to 30 second rest pauses. And I, I'd like to say to my clients, take 10 deep breaths, breathe through the nose, out through the mouth. That usually equates to 20 to 30 seconds of uh, rest intervals. Now, most of the time, I'll have my clients work, and it's not set in stone, but I like to have them work down to a set of hard three reps. Um, this isn't until the individual can no longer complete the targeted number of reps. Now, the activation set, which is the, the big major heavyweight set, is used to target you want to have maybe two to three reps left in reserve or an RPE, rate of perceived effort, of an eight. And the back off sets should generally range from an RPE of six to ten. Ten meaning you're at that last set, you can't do another set, and that's when you stop. Um, the next and the third one is the conjugate method. And I've spoken about this several times, and a lot of my people, regardless of who they are, they can get a, a variation of the conjugate method. And the conjugate method is a training method in uh, a workout regimen that involves doing heavy variations of the squat, deadlift, and bench press, or squat, bench, deadlift, SBD. Now, the method is compared, excuse me, is paired with accessory training that's geared towards highlighting and improving upon your weaker, your weaker areas, as well as addressing some injuries. Now, to elaborate on that, you're, you're basically looking at the three primary mover exercises, the squat, bench, deadlift. Sometimes I'll, I'll include the overhead press if I'm working with somebody who wants to increase their bench press. But the squat, bench, and deadlift is their primary uh, exercise. Now, every two to three weeks, depending on the experience of that person, I will either change the variation to something a little different. So, for example, if they're doing a high bar squat, maybe they'll do a front squat, or maybe they'll do a low bar squat, or maybe they can do a bench squat, or a box squat, rather. It all depends on what that, that weakness is and where that weakness lies. Um... The workouts comprise of a max effort day for the upper and lower day and dynamic efforts on the other days, which is speed work. You want to lift the weight as fast as possible, but a lesser percentage. 
I like to do, if I'm working with a, a an athlete or a person who is slow on uh, high high intensity or high weight movements, I'll do 60 to 70% and cycle those variations from 60 to 65 to 70 in three-week period. And as the, as the progression increases, the reps obviously are going to go slower. So we set it down to either uh, 10 sets of two reps every minute on the minute. I like to do every minute on the minute because it gives you just enough rest to rest for the next set. Uh, we can also do 16 sets of one or 16 sets of singles, or we can do uh, eight by three or uh, eight sets of three reps. So that's the conjugate method. And then after that, uh, you'll you'll do uh, some isolation work for the actual so the uh, actual exercise. So if you're doing a squat, you want to increase the strength of your glutes and your hamstrings. So you would work bodybuilding work towards those movements. So for example, if you're doing glute work, I prefer uh, glute hip raises. I prefer stiff leg deadlifts. I'll even go to a deadlift as the secondary movement after the big movement, which is the squat bench deadlift. In this case, it's squat. So that's the conjugate method in, in a nutshell. Now, moving on to question number two, how many days a week should you train? And that depends. Uh, right now, right after my show, it's a recovery month. So I'm training three days a week, uh, all full body workouts, not really pushing the reps, increasing uh, the recovery time, uh, doing a little bit more cardio. I am trying to keep my steps up, even though I'm not doing as much cardio from my show. I'm trying to do six to 8,000 steps a day. Usually I average in around 7,000. I know that doesn't sound like a lot for people who are pedestrian, uh, pedestrian walkers in big cities and they're walking back and forth to work. But for my lifestyle, I'm usually 14 hours standing up training people. And of, of course, those of you who uh, train locally, they know that my, my studio is attached to my house. And then where I'm the uh, personal training director in Tinton Falls, this massive uh, fitness center. I, it's easy for me to get eight to 10,000 steps in a day if I'm there all day. Now, for a mass phase, I do recommend um, training five days a week, full body daily, but you're spreading the volume across the week. So in other words, a typical bro split has you do 12 to 15 sets per body part. You're doing the same amount of sets and training volume. You're just spreading it across the week. It, it's a lot easier on your joints if you have uh, if you're in the more experienced age area. Um, I do like five day a week workouts because I feel that I'm burning more calories and I'm more active. And yeah, that's that's a mass phase. Um, don't underestimate the uh, the power of recovery because. Not only are you taking in more workouts, but you're also eating a lot more food and you're going to need cardio on those off days, which I'll discuss in a second. Um, for a strength cycle, I like to do four days a week, three main lifts, like the squat, bench, deadlift, uh, and one full body workout day. Um, for a fat loss phase, 
I would do an upper-lower split Monday, Tuesday, take a day off, do some cardio or general practice, general general physical preparedness, excuse me, and then uh, repeat the upper-lower split with maybe different sets, different ranges of uh, volume. Um, I may change the exercise slightly. So it's a multifaceted answer, but that's how I would train that. Now, question number three. Hold on, let me get a cup of coffee. Ah, that's good stuff. Black Rifle Coffee. I don't get anything for that. It's just a good brand. All right, now, how much cardio should I do? Again, it depends on what the person's goal is. Now, if your goal is fat loss, it's more important for you to move around and boost your NEAT score, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You want to be moving around a little bit more than you usually do. So if you're taking a phone call, get up and take that phone call. Um, but also do amount, in a minimal amount at the beginning of your uh, cutting phase or your, your fat loss phase. Uh, I would start off with 20 minutes a day um, and one 15-minute high-intensity interval session or two, depending on how you like to train, for the week. So if you do 20 times six days a week for cardio, that's 120 minutes a week. That's a bare minimum. And as you get deeper into your cut, then I would increase, not by crazy amounts, but maybe five minutes a day, maybe three minutes a day. Um, that's part one. Number two is if the goal is a mass phase, then I would just start with 20 minutes after dinner daily. Um, if that's not feasible for you, then I would do 15 to 20 minutes in the morning. Doesn't have to be fasted. Fasted cardio, in my opinion, really isn't the, is the same as <clears throat> excuse me as doing regular cardio after a meal. So fasted cardio, there's not enough data to say that it's uh, better than regular cardio. Now, <clears throat> if your goal is maintaining current body weight. Then I would do 20 to 25 minutes three to four times a week. But your calories need to be on point for your weight and size. All right. Now, why do you need to be more active? A lot of people ask me this. And it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, it's important to be active in order to improve your NEAT score. And it's almost like you're in a competition with yourself by adding to that, that step count. The easiest way to do it is just... Use your Apple Watch or your, your step tracker to see how many steps you're getting a day. I would shoot for at least 8,000 steps. Um, if you're not seeing any changes, try adding five minutes to your daily routine and see how that changes your score. So set a timer for one hour, do some work, whatever, and then get up for five to ten minutes and move around, you know, the, don't just make make it a habit of walking around every hour on the hour. Um, so that's that's my thoughts on why you want to be more active. Now, a lot of people ask me this, and my answer has changed. Should you take vitamins? Now, I used to say no, but I changed my mind because I pretty much eat the same thing every day with a few small changes. So a small change to me is... If I have my oatmeal in the morning, most of the time I'll have blueberries or wild blueberries. I love wild blueberries. Or sometimes I'll mix it up and I'll go crazy and I'll have strawberries 
<laughs> but that's pretty much what I eat almost every day. And it's the same micronutrient structure, but uh, the reason why you want to use vitamins is if you're like me, you like everything, the same thing almost every day. Um, vitamins are important to maintain a healthy diet, especially if someone is lacking uh, nutritional variety in their uh, daily meals. So I know we have a shortage of magnesium as athletes, so I supplement magnesium citrate. Um, vitamin D, I have a, an immune system that's kind of compromised uh, because of my alopecia areata. Well, I have alopecia universalis, which is total hair loss. I haven't had hair since, uh, I think, 1998. Um, and vitamin D is essential for protection against illnesses or sicknesses. And I also find that in the winter, if I increase it just a bit, my mood and my depression from being closed in and the light not being as uh, prevalent in my daytime because I'm usually inside the four walls. Uh, the sunlight, I don't get as much. So a multivitamin with vitamin D can help cover all your bases and fill any gaps in your nutrient intake. Now, what's the most important food group to get bigger? Most importantly, tracking food intake for two weeks will help to establish a good baseline for your calories. A 10% increase of calories in the form of fats and carbs are what I usually recommend people do. If your weight gain stalls, and all you're really looking for is for 0.5 to a pound a week, it's a slow process, but if it's done right, you won't get as fat. You are going to gain some fat. But it's not going to be where you're a 50-pound whale. Now, if your weight gain stalls, I would add 5% more carbs. And if, it, if it, it doesn't move, again, add another 5%. Now, junk food should be included daily. But here's my rule, and I was just telling a client this about an hour ago. I prefer a 90%, 10% rule. 90% of the day, my foods are clean, healthy, close to a single ingredient as possible, like steak and potatoes or eggs and bread. Well, not bread, but uh, anything that's more singular ingredient because you're getting more of the whole food source. And I also include 10% of my Chips Ahoy's or my Oreos or whatever the hell I want that day. Now, if somebody becomes sick of their current diet after 10 to 12 weeks, a diet break could be necessary. I'll go over that in a moment. And this would be uh, including below-maintenance calories and dropping carbohydrates by 20, fats and carbohydrates by 20 to 30%. Now, conversely, what's the most important food group to lose fat? Again, the most important thing to remember when you're trying to lose fat is to retain as much lean mass, lean muscle mass, as possible. Now, to do this, you want to make sure you're getting in enough protein. Make it easy. Shoot for 0.9 to 1.1 times your body weight, and that'll give you grams for your protein that you should try to get every day. Um, easiest way to do this is just supplement with protein powder, and I would take one to two scoops a day, depending on how large you are 
how much weight you have to lose. Now, the math for losing fat is similar to gaining mass. You should drop your carbs by 10 to 20 percent. You don't want to be too, you don't want to do too much of a drop, a drop rather, because if you do, you're you're shortchanging your results because you want to start the dieting phase on a higher number of calories, then slowly decrease over time. And that, sorry guys, I did not know that was on. All right, anyway, start the dieting phase on a higher number of calories and then slowly decrease over time. And that really doesn't need to be a huge drop. It could be five to maybe 10% at the most in calories of fats and carbs. Now, you want to add diet breaks uh, once you plateau. I would say it can be anywhere from three to six weeks after you plateau. Once you plateau, you want to move your calories up to a maintenance level. The easiest way to do that is to multiply your current body weight by 12. That will give you your caloric structure, your, your, your calorie number. Um, and like I said before, diet breaks are pretty important that we're finding out. A big study called the Matador study um, had obese individuals. I believe they were dieting for, they, once they established their baseline calories, they dropped it by 30%. And it was just enough to have them start losing weight, losing fat rather. You want to lose fat. You don't want to lose weight in general. So just use the scale as a rule of thumb and use pictures and, and use waist measurements and see how your clothes are fitting. Now, when you get to a diet break, getting back to my point, it gives you a chance to reset your metabolism uh, once you stall on a diet. It, it basically is an intentional decision to move out of a calorie, excuse me, a caloric deficit for a predetermined period of time. For me and my clients, I would do three weeks of dieting with one week of um, maintenance calories. <coughs> excuse me. Um, <clears throat> my granddaughter got me sick a week and a half ago, so I'm just getting over that. A little cough, but nothing crazy. Um, diet break, like I said, is an intentional decision to move out of that calorie deficit and basically live like a human being and then get back in with, the, with that current body weight that you did right before you went on your diet break. So if you went from 220 pounds to around about 210 and you stalled you would multiply 210 times your body excuse me 210 times 12 that'll give you a pretty decent amount of calories that you can follow you can play with the percentages for protein carbs and fats um, like I said 0.9 to 1.1 can really become 0.9 and then the rest you can decide whether or not you want to do higher fats or higher carbs now Taking a diet break can actually improve your ability to achieve your weight loss goals. It's going to take a little bit longer, but you're not going to feel like you're subjected to a diet every friggin' day. And that's, that's crucial when you're, when you're going to diet for 20 to 30. I've, I've dieted longer than 36 weeks. Um, back then, I did not have the knowledge that I have now for diet breaks uh, after reading that Matador study, I was completely intrigued with it, and I gave it to some of my clients to test out. Uh, they, they love testing new things for me. 
Um, and it works. It really, really works. And it's kind of simple to set up. Like I said before, you want to make sure you track your calories for a good one to two weeks with everything you eat. That'll give you a very detailed idea of how many calories you should be taking in per week, uh, excuse me, per day. And then you can either increase by 10 to 20% or you can decrease by 10 to 20% depending on what your goal is. And from there, you do whatever weight you, you, you stagnated at or you plateaued at, and that will give you times 12, and that will give you your maintenance calories for one week. Now, I think the Matador study has people dieting for three weeks and then two weeks uh, at maintenance level. Your goals can ultimately decide when you're going to stop or if you decide, I've had people diet for six weeks and then have a two-week break or eight weeks and have a one-week one week break. It depends on the person. They may be sick of food after a week or they may be needing more food and more recovery time for two weeks. So a slower, it's a slower, steady approach, approach but the, the method, methodology creates longer lasting results. And then when you're off your diet, if you, if you know where you are and you're continuing to track, I strongly suggest people track their, their calories and their macros, not only to give you an idea, but to have a healthier relationship with food. Um, no, those are some questions and answers. Uh, I enjoyed doing this, and again, I will absolutely try my best to get an episode out for you guys almost once a week. It's the solo ones that I'm having a bit of a problem with. Um, I'm trying; I'm still trying to find my feet in the ground with podcasting. Um, I love the medium. I love interviewing people because you get to learn more about people, and you get to know their craft. So I'm going to continue doing the interviews. Uh, every so often I'll have a special guest on. I have a few lined up and we're going to be talking about sports psychology, nutrition. Um, I have a whole bucket list of people that I want to get in and have them spread their message as well as my message. And uh, that's it. That's it for this week. I'm glad I did this and I will see you guys soon. Have a great week. <laughs>